Hi, everyone. It's Peter. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Superficial Spirit. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to ask you to take a second to review, follow, like, and share your favorite episode of The Superficial Spirit. Your support means so much to me. Also, if you see me on the street, don't be shy. Come up and say hello, okay? All right, now let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Superficial Spirit, where we explore how pop culture affects our spiritual experiences. My name is Peter Breeze. Join me while we ask a very important question. What the hell did pop culture do to me? everyone welcome back to the superficial spirit it's the day we've fucking been waiting for my entire life well at least since she announced the book we are going to be covering britney spears memoir the woman in me and he's certainly not a girl and certainly certainly not a woman but he's here to dish on the princess of pop mr muscles himself it's derek listen it's not for lack of trying not for very, like tr- oh this is like oh, okay. our very special episode i don't know what I, yeah i'm not i'm not trying yeah. to be a woman i don't know i just thought that'd be funny uh it's like this is our like very special episode of superficial spirit you know what i mean like on a yeah. very special episode of the superficial spirit damn it i need to make a new intro that's like da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. um so first i want to say to anybody out there who's trying to be a good fan and pre-order, pre-order a book from an actual book store the experience for me was awful i pre-ordered britney like i don't know whenever it was available for pre-order like that day um and i still haven't gotten it i think the last email i got was that it would come next week at the end of next week so i actually had to borrow a copy from my friend when we went to see crossroads at the movie theater so thankfully I got it because I can tell you, like I was triggered online seeing everybody posting about the book and knowing that I wasn't going to be the first person in human history to read it. Um, but I finally got it. I did read it last night in one sitting. It took like four hours, but I just couldn't stop. <laughs> couldn't stop. And I was just, yeah, really, really invested, obviously. So I'm excited to dive in. But you actually fucking got through it before I did. You did the audiobook though. Yeah, I knew that signing up for Audible, I would get two free books. And I just thought this probably isn't going to feel worth paying for to me. So that was the perfect opportunity to use my two free books. And yep. you must have devoured it because it takes five and a half hours to read. Like the audiobook takes five and a half hours for, for Michelle Williams to read out loud. So you must have really flown through it. I got I finished work around 3.30. Um, Evan and I went to get ice cream and I came home and started. So it was probably just before four and I finished just before eight. Cool. So yeah, uh, an hour faster, I guess. Brainiac um, over here. Well, I do read a lot, but also, I mean, I was hungry for this, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, so let's just start, I think, by, by, I guess, recapping what we had been anticipating from the book. I mean, leading up to it, you and I were pretty open and honest about the fact that we weren't, our, our, the bar was low in terms of what she was going to dish. The headlines that were coming out were about Justin Timberlake mostly, um, the snake scene, 
um, her hating her sister and calling her a fucking bitch, um, stuff about her family. So that was what we were going into it expecting. That's pretty fair to say. You and I were like, yeah, I don't think it's going to be. Oh, and the book cover. It was not a new picture of her. Um, and also the stuff that she was sharing on Instagram sa- sa- felt very much like a contractual obligation. Um, like she was like, Hey, I'm just blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it felt maybe that the book was going to be a half assed version of her story. Certainly that was my, my impression going into it. Like I had heard things from people who had read it and there was no explosive. From what I heard before I read it, there was no explosive information that was shared that completely changed the narrative that we know of Brittany's life. That's kind of what we were expecting going into it. Hey, is that what you would say? Yeah, um, I would say it met our expectations pretty much perfectly. What you and I had discussed kind of hoping it wouldn't be Peter is kind of what it was. Although I won't say I didn't enjoy it. Like I did, there is some, I mean, I said this to you after I finished it. I was like, you know, I everyone has sort of seemed to agree there's not really any revelations, but, you know, there is detail. Um, and, it, it you know, it, it just provides... Um, a bit a, a bit of a peek it just provides a bit more detail into some of those moments and for me what it really brings what it nails home I guess about Brittany and her whole experience is just the anger the rage um, and the depth of if you believe everything she's written and that she hasn't left anything out the depth of the arbitrariness I guess um, the frivolousness with which her sort of humanity was treated and her control was taken and the silly reasons that were sort of given the non reasons for taking away sort of her life from her. I I sort of didn't realize how arbitrary it was. Now, again, that's if she's not left anything out because if she has left out a significant part of her mental health situation, then perhaps there's more protecting of her going on here than, Mm -hmm. than she believes, right? Like maybe it is more for her own good than she believes, but, but certainly I would say, even if she, even if, even if she hasn't left out something important and significant and potentially dangerous about herself, it still comes through that, you know, she didn't feel protected. She didn't feel cared for. And there were many ways in which this was extremely damaging and would have been to anyone. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with what you said. It, it pretty much was what we expected. It was, it was a, it was a, a, a slightly, slightly deeper look into what we already know and it was from her perspective. So I agree with you about w- when it comes to the conservatorship and the control her family um, exerted on her in that time, it does seem that it was pretty baseless. And e- either that's the truth, and we'll give Brittany credit for sharing that, or there is more to it. And she's like, I just can't go there yet. And TBD, we'll see. I mean, who knows? And it's no one's business, I- maybe, right? Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, cause that's also the undertone is like, it's nobody's business. Like when she refers to that over and over and over again, why, 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 why do I need to disclose everything to everybody all the time, whether it's her family or the doctors or the media? Um, but I did LOL actually when her dad caught, she was dating somebody named Charlie. Charlie was like a bodybuilder. Charlie gave her some pre-workout supplement to like help her on stage or to give her an energy. And her dad sent her to rehab for a month. I was like for fucking pre-workout. That's crazy. And then another point in the book, she had to go to AA four times a week because they caught energy enhancing 
pills in her purse. And I'm assuming that is like legal. It's not like ecstasy. Oh, yeah. It's not no, coke. No. It's yeah. like it's, a fucking caffeine pill. It, so that a, to me, yeah. when you were reading the headlines of Britney and rehab, Britney and AA, you're like, damn, my girl, girlfriend needs to get it together. And then when you read that, it's like, I actually did laugh out loud. Are you fucking kidding me? That That is what we're basing this all, all around. And I imagine I used to go to 12 step meetings these people are in desperate shape trying to change their lives because alcohol and drugs have ruined their experience as human beings. And then you have a pop star coming in who took a caffeine pill. Well, we don't know it was a caffeine pill, but it sounded but- to me like it was it was pre-workout from her like trainer boyfriend. And that that actually was the one moment in the book that made my jaw drop when she said, and then they sent me to rehab or whatever. I was like, oh, for I, I take that every day. Like it's not. It's not anything. It's literally nothing. And also that it just like, that's, that's a theme that I think comes through, through the book is, is how many times they took away someone she loved. They took away a boyfriend she loved. Like they just, they cut him out and, and then he was gone. You know, they did that multiple times. It sounds like multiple times. Um, Okay, I want to start at the beginning. Like Sam, this is gonna be a five-hour you know, episode. Sam Lutfi or whatever his name was. She talks about him as the photographer in the book, but we know it's Sam. Yeah, Lutfi. interesting. We loved yeah. him too, and they 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 closed the door on him kind of without her knowing. And then the same thing with this pre-workout guy, and it's just that's really sad, you know. People Sadder. who she, I mean, who she yeah. says supported her. She she says gave her something she needed, right? Gave her a a support and a stability and just a care and like listening to her and and supporting her, right, in ways that she needed. They just took that away. How about when she says that um, with Kevin Federline, he would just hold her in the pool and she so bad needed that human contact. It was such a, uh, I felt insight into how desperately she was just so lonely and so looking for some kind of validation and love and support um, and how, how every step of the way, starting with her dad as a child, who was an alcoholic and rejected her and her mom, who seemed to be completely wrapped up in the drama with her dad. Um, Starting from early in her career, it was, I guess, Justin was the first big rejection or like the, the rug was pulled under her from a trust perspective. And then as you go through the book, um, all of the relationships that she had in one way or another, she was, taken advantage of and she's very open about the fact that she she calls herself stupid she calls herself naive she says i don't know how to play the game i wasn't cut out to be a star and it's sad to think that all of the worst case scenarios of a person being rich and famous happened to her over and over and over again her family took advantage of her um the boyfriends were using her for fame and that also it's interesting that they used um they kept Sam um as her husband in the book. They didn't change that. You and I were wondering if they would. Um and we still don't really know why they got divorced. Otherwise, it said that she was violent and he had marks on him. So, I mean, we'll see what emerges from that, but yeah, it seems like every every person that she had opened up to at least from a romantic perspective and from a personal perspective from her family had screwed her over in one way or another, like repeatedly over and over again, which as a, as a person, it's hard enough to deal with family shit. And then you magnify that by, um, there was one actually part that she, she said, I texted it to my friend because it felt so true to who I was. Okay. Um, this part, I veered between being very social and being incredibly isolated. I kept hearing that I seemed so confident. 
it was hard for anyone to imagine that someone who could perform for thousands at a time could backstage with just one or two people be gripped by panic. Anxiety is strange that way. And mine grew as it became clear to me that whatever I did and even plenty I didn't do became front page news. These stories were often illustrated by unflattering photos of me when I was least expected it. I was already designed to care what other people thought of me. The national spotlight turned my natural tendency to worry into something unbearable. And I thought I sent it to my friend because this is what I experienced from a social anxiety standpoint. I will hyper focus on something that happened to me and in a social experience, in a social, in a social setting, whether it was recent or a long time ago. And I will be gripped by panic, anxiety, like, Oh my God, dread, um, embarrassment. And I felt so connected to her in that moment and also was, you know, I'm very open about the fact that I wanted to be famous desperately. And I think this would have been something similar to what I would have experienced because when you are a person who who has this type of social anxiety, you're so concerned with what people think. I am such a people pleaser. I would have died for sure. I would have done so many drugs, way more than fucking Adderall to numb that. Um, God, that just those two paragraphs were set. You, you pair the anxiety and the spotlight with the isolation she experienced in her personal life. And it's like unfathomable to think. And that was even before the conservatorship. So it's hard to even put yourself in her position because there's so many extremes layered on top of one another that my God, just so sad. Yeah. It's. A kind of amazing, I mean, she did make it through something deeply um, painful, I guess, to even kind of undersell it. So I think, I think it's probably fair to attribute a strength of spirit to her Mm -hmm. throughout all of that, Mm -hmm. you know, because we've seen, we've seen celebrities, you know, not survive less, a lot less, it sounds like. Um, um, yeah, so a lot less. So there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I relate a bit to the social anxiety too. I have, um, have that feeling as well. Sometimes I'm medicated for it, but <laughs> yeah, I related to that. Um, I, I, I guess was I, really... I guess there was moments where I did feel like if it was me going through, especially the conservatorship, especially the, um, just like yearning for her kids so much, you know, I guess I felt like, damn, like when you feel like, like what, what kept her going? I think she says God, but was it, was it the thought of seeing her kids someday? Was it the thought someday I'll get out of this and I'll, and I'll be my own person again. Or like, cause it sounds awfully hopeless. Very hopeless. And I'm glad you brought up the God thing because I mean, she talks about God on Instagram, but in the first, like the first fucking, the first page, she talks about being a little girl and lying on these hot rocks and um, saying that she felt God. And I was actually pretty taken by in the first few pages, chapters, I don't remember how much singing was a connection to her for her spirituality and how happy it made her. I know as a fan that she loved dancing, but I was surprised throughout the book how much singing meant to her because we've always dismissed her singing. It's always been sort of like the punchline of Britney's pop career. But early on, um, I was taken by that. And I was also throughout the book pleasantly surprised from a superficial spirit perspective how she tied in so many spiritual moments throughout her journey. I love the scene when she was 
driving in the desert. And she was like, I didn't want to say that it was aliens, but like she felt herself opening up and having this profound experience because the pain led in the light. I was happy to hear that, that, that journey throughout. Um, and especially about the singing, were you surprised to hear how much singing meant to her and how personal of an experience and spiritual it was for her? Mm, not really, but what surprised me a bit was this, the creative control. It sounds like she actually does exercise in the studio when she's engaged. Right. I mean, she didn't even say anything about Brittany Jean, except that she liked work, bitch. She I said know, nothing else. Right? But she goes on about blackout because she was really artistically involved in that. And even as far back as baby, right. The album, she's talking about, I wanted to have this sound. I knew how I wanted to sound. They were like, Oh, sure. Good idea. We'll go with that kind of thing. So she was driving a lot of that. And I didn't really realize that, you know, we have this, we've always held onto this image as her of her as this packaged product. Oh, they made her sing in this high nasal voice and it ruined her voice. Well, it sounds like she knows what she wants to sound like. And she actually brings that to the studio. So, you know, she has a lot more creative control, I think, than people have ever given her credit for. Well, she talks about listening to Tainted Love, I think, when she was recording the Baby One More Time album. Well, and, and here's actually, all night. Sorry to interrupt. And just this this part kind of excited me, actually. It's just the um, the fact that. OK, it's gone. Never mind. <laughs> when she was recording Baby One More Time in Sweden, she stayed up all night so that she had a raspy voice. And when she went into the studio, she had achieved that sound that she wanted to. Yeah, mm. I agree with you that she definitely had a direction. Um, and as somebody who's been in a studio, not a musician and not a songwriter, there is like part of what makes a song um, come to life is the energy that the performer brings it right it's the thing that you can't really quantify it's the energy that Brittany has her perspective what she's going to bring to the stage how she envisions it going and I think that's one thing that um, it's hard to it's hard to see that side of it when when again you know that she's a um, packaged manufactured pop star but I will say this interest okay you have your point I, I remember I remember what came through and it's just it's the same point as this what what came through for me in the book is like it sounds when she was talking about this stuff it sounds like she might be a pretty good director like I think Britney mm. Spears has been a pretty good director of her artistic image and her career and what I mean by that is like since she's been on her own not really making much and only making her weird spinning videos in the living room like we've all been like oh she's so tacky she's so weird like what like it sounds like if she were to do an album all in her under her own control it would be very messy and weird and i don't know that she has a lot of artistic vision i actually think she does but as a director right i don't think Mm. she's capable of pulling everything together and making it look really cohesive but that's what directors do they find people who Mm. can execute their artistic vision to a high standard and i think she might actually be good at that it sounds Mm. like just based on the way she talked about that's what she did she directed her career and she had a lot of competent people pulling it together for her to execute her vision or or to add sort of their own you know artistic flair and their own vision to it but if you don't work without but you have to you have to pull people together who have vision right that that's a that's a skill yeah i like that that's a really good insight um thinking about her and she actually does talk about um like in in let's piggybacking on the on the director thing she does talk about instagram near the end of the book and she says i know people think that i'm crazy and i know they don't understand why i take off all my clothes but after being controlled for so long i feel such a sense of empowerment and i feel sexy and i feel like i'm in control and it's a big fuck you and i loved when she said when she shaved her head it was a fuck you to the world to the press to everybody oh my god i love that part but the the director part that you're speaking of i think is what we're seeing on instagram and she's like i don't really care what people think i love putting on these clothes i love having control of the way i look and i love dancing and i love performing and she actually talks about how she was 
was in Hawaii and she made a little song. I don't know how she made the song, but she she talks about that scene where she put in a baby laughing at the beginning and Sam was like, mm-hmm. no, don't do the baby. And then she heard somebody else do it. So it, it was it was nice to hear that um, there is some thought going into what she's doing on Instagram. And she is aware how pe- there is a self-awareness. She's like, I know what you guys think and I don't really care. That was re- really refreshing to hear because her legacy, you and I have talked about this, is going to be, well, hopefully this book changes it a little bit, but it's going to be the conservatorship and the um, Instagram, I think. Um, maybe, maybe not, not for fans like me, but it was nice that she talked about that part. But, oh my God, she didn't, well, was hoping that she would say this so bad. Was she sending subliminal messages. Remember when all the fans were like, she put help me in her eyelashes. She wore a dress and dresses the national color for help or like being fucking trafficked. I wanted her to talk more about that. Like, was she, but it sounds like she wasn't at all. She was just like, I'm going to go on Instagram. And I wanted people to, she wanted to humanize herself because she knew that there was a disconnect. Um, okay, I'm getting I'm getting racing thoughts, so you're just gonna have to bear with me right well, now. Well, I, I do think Project Rose was a hint, right? Matthew Rosengart, Project Rose. I do think that's pretty much all but confirmed. Yes. Yes, t- true. Um like Project Rose was I'm getting out of this conservatorship. Yeah, <laughs> it's know? coming. Yeah. Um, I told you in my texts, I think I told you that I cried twice. Yeah. Um, the part that I cried at. Can I just read it? It's not long. It's like a page and a half, but I think it's important because for people who haven't read the um, book, um, first of all, I will say generally speaking, um, and this is feedback I had heard from other Britney, big Britney fans that had messaged me and I'd read the book was it had been so long since I have felt connected to her in a way that wasn't pure nostalgia mm-hmm. because I have a connection to the Britney I grew up with, but throughout the last few years especially there is a disconnect between her and her fans and so reading this book i think the reason why it was such a big experience for me and i was so deeply moved by it is because there was a few points where i felt like she was talking directly to her fans and i do feel like she did this for her fans and i do feel like after so long i felt connected to her again and it validated my thing as a fan because so much has happened with her where it's like what like why do i have oops i did again tattooed on my damn arm if she doesn't want to be famous she hated touring the music industry destroyed her and part of the fandom is what ruined her like it it was too much and and you question like what is a healthy fan and like evan tells me all the time you all need to leave her alone but this part um this part really moved me um several weeks into my stay so this was when um Brittany was brought into the she was brought into an institution after she refused to talk to the press to acknowledge and and announce her domination to her in Vegas and it was a very big um like fuck you to her family because they wouldn't give her vacation with her kids so there was this big huge va- everybody saw it big huge announcement fireworks dancers a set, all the press, red carpet fans. She goes up, um, is l- like, like lower, um, like comes out of the floor, walks down and, and she doesn't do anything. She just basically walks straight to a car and gets in. That was what triggered her. And the very next day, her Instagram changed. And this is when the free Britney movement really, really became stronger. Um, so this is what she said. Several weeks into my stay, I was struggling to stay hopeful when one of the nurses, the only one who was real as hell, called me over to look at her computer. Look at this, she said. 
I peered at her computer and tried to make sense of what I was seeing. It was a woman on a talk show talking about me and the conservatorship. One was wearing a free Britney t-shirt and the nurse showed me clips of other things too. Fans saying they were trying to figure out if I was being held somewhere against my will. Talking about how much my music meant to them and how they hated to think I was suffering now. They wanted to help. And just by doing that, they did help. All the things the nurse was seeing, everyone at the hospital was seeing too. The doctor eventually noticed that people around the world were asking why I was locked up. It was all over the news. The same way I believe that I can sense how someone's feeling in Nebraska... I think my connection to my fans helped them subconsciously know that I was in danger. We have a connection no matter where we are in space. Even if you're on the other side of the country or the world, on some level, we're bound up together. Fans of mine, even though I hadn't said anything online or in the press about being confined, they just seemed to know. Seeing them marching on the streets chanting Free Britney, that was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. I know some people laughed at it. They saw the pink t-shirts with my name on them and said, what kind of cause is this? But if they really knew what was going on, though, um, and understood the connection I have with my fans, I don't think they would have laughed. The truth is I was being held against my will. And I did, and I did long to know that people might care whether I lived or died. What do we have except our connection to one another? And what stronger bond is there than music? Everyone who spoke out for me helped me survive that hard year and worked and and the work they did helped me win my freedom. I don't think people know how much the free Britney movement meant to me, especially in the beginning. Toward the end, when the court hearings were going on, seeing people advocate for me meant a whole lot. But when it first happened, that got my heart because I was not okay, not at all. And the fact that my friends and fans sensed what was happening and did that for me, that's a debt I can never repay. If you stood up for me when I couldn't stand up for myself from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Derek, when I tell you I bawled in my room... And I, I have goosebumps now because there was this sense when that was happening that does she know? Does she care? Her dad was like, these are not the fans I want. It's a conspiracy theory. Nothing bad is happening. And the fact that these, the fans who really kicked it off and pushed and pushed and pushed and this became, I mean, I think I fucking was on Instagram like posting stories nonstop every day. The fact that she was in need and that she did see it and that it did matter to her and that she acknowledges that this was a big part of why she became free. I can't tell you how, how good that felt. I could have stopped the book right there. I was like, it matters. Like what, what we did matters to her. And it had been so long since we had known whether or not, she knew or cared. There was no visibility. We hadn't heard her speak. That part really, 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 really moved me. Yeah. Um, I guess what I was reminded of while you were reading that bit out was that there are moments in the book where I feel like maybe she's someone whose grasp of reality is a little, well, the most charitably I could be would be she's a dreamer. If I was going to be uncharitable, it would be she might not have the strongest grasp of reality sometimes. <laughs> Just with the bit about, I feel like I can I know what someone's feeling in Nebraska, the bit about my friend and I felt God in the desert. Um, There's a couple moments in the book. There's others I can't remember, but yeah, I don't know. That's just something that that I thought of. You're triggering me. You're triggering me. You're triggering me right now because 
I mean, this goes back to when you and I used to fucking have the intense talks in the in the fucking DMs on Instagram, Mm -hmm. because I felt like when she was talking about God and when she feels connected to somebody in Nebraska, I mean, you and I did, to be fair, talk about people who say they're empathetic and they're just centering themselves in other people's drama because they're narcissistic. When I was reading that, I think she's speaking to her emotional vulnerability and how she feels things deeply. That's how I interpret that. And her connection to her fans was something untangible and psychic, possibly. And the desert thing, having a spiritual awakening. You interpret that as like, okay, this person is low. Oh, and I and uh-huh. And also the bit where she's like, I can't act because I get so swept up in the character that I forget I'm who I am and that I think I'm I genuinely think I'm someone else. That was the other thing. I was like, uh-oh. I mean, I was surprised at that because of crossroads. And crossroads, yeah, I mean, she was literally no one, no just one thinks, herself. You know, no one thinks that was like Oscar worthy or anything. But right? I like, did LOL when she said, thank God the person in um, Crossroads wasn't a serial killer. And I was like, girl, well, girl. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why I go like, okay, there are a few moments that are a tiny bit scary with regard to her grip on reality in the book. So wait, you think that her talking about God and spirituality is is like a hint at her possibly being not attached to reality no. and not no, just no, no, like no. no that's not what i said i think the moment in the desert where she felt something just came over her that i think is a little cuckoo i don't care what she attributes it to i don't care if she feels she has a relationship with god i don't care if she feels there are moments when you know she feels the closest to him him or whatever mm-hmm. um but that combined with like kind of the other two things I mentioned is a little bit like, okay, what do you mean? Like, what does that mean? I felt, mm-hmm. I just felt God. I didn't know if it was aliens. Like, what are you talking about? What does that feel like? <laughs> I get a tingle when I go pee sometimes. Like, do I think that's God? Like, what do you mean? Like, I this is like when you and I talked about if, if brushing your teeth could be spiritual. I, um, I hear what you're saying. Yes. When you, when you pair, when you pair her story, um, with these moments where she's feeling spiritual um, or connected to God. I mean, as a person who does have that experience um, and has, I totally relate. Every once in a while, there's a, I had it the other day when I was meditating, a moment of clarity where it just feels like you are 100% connected to something higher than yourself. And it, and it's hard to describe in words. And so you describe it as spiritual. Um is there a chance that maybe that is, I mean, it's obviously something happening in your brain, some kind of chemical thing. I mean, she was driving in the desert with the top down in the middle of the night, who knows? But I I really like that. I felt out of everything, that was something I really connected with because she was using her spirituality as a way to keep herself on track and in going in some sort of direction. And I think that's, that's ultimately what spirituality is, right. To fill in the gaps of things we can't describe of hard moments of trauma. Um, and I found it really sweet and and sincere for her to, to describe those things. You got nothing. You got nothing on the spiritual. Well, if I was going to write an essay about why I think Britney Spears's grip on reality is a little bit poorer, that wouldn't be my strongest argument that she sometimes feels like she knows God, right. It would, it would include sometimes I, you know, don't know if I'm the character I'm playing or not. She also said when she was doing the umbrella, like she, I found this also really interesting after the umbrella thing, she wrote a letter to the photo agency and said, sorry, I was contemplating taking a deep, dark role. <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I bet that came off yeah. as a little bit 
Well, it's just, I mean, it sounds a little childish, right? Yeah. That Sorry, was also I was preparing. Was, yeah, I don't but Yeah. That was also something she was open about is reverting back to a child. And that's something that you have brought up before. Um, and it, I was surprised to hear that she was aware of that. And she was like, I felt like when I had my babies, I regressed. I felt like in the conservatorship, I regressed. I felt like when I was in love, I regressed. There was just this constant theme of her feeling like shrinking, both from a spirit and a confidence and a performance point, but also like at a mental capacity and as an age. Like she was like, I'm a child. I, I wasn't sure if she knew that that's how she was coming across, but she, but she did and she does. Yeah. I mean, it seems, I mean, it does seem, it does seem like she's been warped, you know, cause yeah. sometimes you look at older clips where she's fully just lucid and you're like, damn, like when she was like 18 or something, right. There's this one in particular where she's at the press conference and someone asks her, something i don't remember what they ask her something rude and annoying and she's like you're an adult you should know that Mm -hmm. you know and it's just very like incisive and sharp and it's kind of like where's that girl i don't know sounds like they sounds like they they fucked her up (laughs) yeah um in the early chapters there's a few things that stood out to me um one was the british accent one of her aunts mm. or grandma was British and she says, that's why I like talking in a British accent because it reminds me of her and it gives me some sort of um, connection to her. And when she was running through Hollywood um, talking in a British accent, that was one thing that people really focused on as her being mentally unstable was like, she's talking in a British accent. So, so early on, like I think in the first 20 pages, she, she brings up this. I like to talk in a British accent because it reminds me of my family. I thought that was really interesting. Also that she's named after Jean, her grandma, who was also institutionalized, also put on lithium and died by suicide. That was like a really, when she, when she set that tone early on in the book, I was like, damn, that is like foreshadowing and it's really dark. Um, yeah, that, that was both of those things stood out to me as like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do think that's a really good tone setter for the rest of the book. Cause it makes you go like, okay, we're not dealing with just like happy little farm girl here. You know what I mean? Like we're starting from a place of like, of just yeah it just sets the stage i think for uh, for the context that that is to follow yeah it's a family history of tragedy and abuse you know like that place to start is not going to give even a child the healthiest start you know um what did you think of justin what she's justin was a big part of her story um Mm -hmm. i know that as a fan i identified that as sort of the start of the downfall of her career um what do you think of of sort of his place and everything. The fact that he apparently cheated a lot, um, sort of disconnected with her when he started writing his album, used it as a selling point and sort of was continued to be celebrated um, despite of the things that he was doing while she was on the, on the sort of down, like when she talks about the MTV awards, when she did that infamous performance where everybody thought she looked fat and did bad. And when you hear how bad she didn't want to do it and how she was crying backstage as everybody was making fun of her while Justin was having like, the peak of his career. What did you think of that? Um, well, I, I definitely thought Justin comes off looking pretty fucking bad in the book, like a, like a dork, um, like a lame dork. And um, I guess like we had talked on a previous episode when we were anticipating the book about like the kind of timing of when they broke up and, you know, how, how much, how much earlier than that had he cheated and when did she cheat and blah, blah, blah. And what, what I thought was interesting was that it sounds like she, cheated i mean it, i don't can you even call it cheating when he did it like several times i don't know yeah um it sounds like she did that 
months before they broke up, like maybe, you know, like, you know, many months before they broke up. And then it's only when he was recording an album that he wanted to be hurt by it because it was convenient, right. For his storyline. So that sounded pretty like despicable to me. That's pretty like lame and gross um, to, you know, really, really, I mean, really literally throw her under the bus. Right. Like that's, you know, he's, he, he made her a villain in that story when they had had a conversation and basically been okay with it because she had already tolerated so much cheating, it sounds like. So that's pretty fucking dumb, lame and gross. And then I also just loved, like, um, I loved where she, like, you know, he, he someone walks in the room, P. Diddy or something, and he's like, yo, 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 fo shiz. And she's like making fun <laughs> yeah. of him. She's like making fun of him for that. He just comes off as like a weenie. Um, yeah, totally. So, yeah, and then with regard to like the performance where, you know, she's feeling bad and he's having the best night of my life. I don't know. That didn't, I just, yeah, it just is what it is. Um, I, I never, I guess I didn't realize, I don't remember anything about Justin Timberlake really from that time. I remember mm. everyone, Neither remembers, do I, actually. everyone remembers her performance. So it's easy to look at it and go like, Oh, okay. Like now we know how she was feeling, but I, I don't remember that, but it's interesting to think that, um, I know it was just like part of, it's just part of the insult. It's part of the insult and the indignity, I guess, that like people kind of, that culture that fame kind of inflicted on Britney Spears around that time. Apparently Justin, um, he's turned off the comments on Instagram and he, him and NSYNC were actually slated to have some kind of comeback in the next year. And that's been canned. I don't know if he was going to do a, a um, solo album, but ever since the book came out, I mean, really like a couple of years ago when he apologized for the just Janet Jackson and Britney generally, I think he's had a hard time, but there's been some really funny memes mm-hmm. about him. Like, Oh God, the beatboxing and the appropriating black culture. And just at the time, I remember feeling like Justin Timberlake was so fucking cool. Like he was hot. He was a good dancer. He had an edge that like Nick Carter didn't, there was something more street about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but now in retrospect, it's so cringe. Like NSYNC. Yeah. I would say Justin Timberlake did not age the same way. Um, actually, I don't know who of the boy bands aged well and has continued to be successful. At least New Kids on the Block and Backstreet Boys continue to go on tours and seem to have kept a healthy relationship with their fans. But yeah, I don't know if Justin's going to get out of this unscathed, honestly, like long term. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, uh, well, I, I guess I sort of think that celebrities, especially men, like everyone likes to come back. He can totally rebrand, right? Like he can just put out a different kind of music. He could become a fucking Michael Bublé type of guy. You know what I think? And and he would, I think he would have success doing that. I don't think he's going to get away with, um, the, the like Afro beats and shit that he used to want to do and the like hip hop kind of vibes. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, his first oh, music no. video ever, like his first single, he was wearing this like flowy white tracksuit looking like Eminem. You know what I mean? So like, it's always been appropriative. It's always been like, yeah, I don't know. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to get away with that anymore. Um, Kevin Federline. I mean, there was no surprise to hear everything about KFED. We already knew this. He married Brittany. He wanted to be famous. The relationship ended. I guess what I was so surprised at with him was how shamelessly he used the media, the negative media attention to get, to get, um, um, custody of the kids and his track record as a father yeah. wasn't very high considering he met Brittany when his wife girlfriend was pregnant and he already had a kid and it was so obvious at least from her perspective that he was keeping the kids as a way to make money to keep yeah. her in, in control to get special special support and just again completely threw her under the bus the same way justin did like back to back these men they almost kind of look the same like they have that same kind of like Oh God, such a nasty, nasty user. Um, were you surprised to hear how shamelessly K Fed was 
you like using the kids as a tool and a tactic? No, not surprised at all because as unkind as media and culture had been to Britney Spears, I think they've always been pretty nasty to Kevin Federline and calling him like a gold digger. And even, you know, I don't know, even when the media wasn't really on Britney's side, I think everyone kind of understood that. Like they still weren't that kind to Kevin. And I think everyone's always thought he was a gold digger. I think it's been pretty clear that his like effort to retain full custody of the kids is so that he can continue to collect their child support money, which is like a lot, you know? Um, So yeah, no, not surprised about that. Not at all. What do you think her kids are going to think about? I'm this? surprised I wasn't. I'm surprised there wasn't like I'm I'm almost because it was so clear. I'm almost surprised there isn't a more sympathetic truth somewhere behind Kevin. Right. But it's kind of exactly what it looked like. Right. Um, I'm curious what her boys think, because she she dedicates the book to the boys and she still says like the most important thing to her is being a mom, but there isn't, and she talks positively about them and some good experiences they have as a family. But we also know they recently moved to Hawaii and she's apparently not talking to them. Um, I'm wondering, which is somewhere where they can continue to collect child support. uh, What do you mean in Hawaii? Is that why they moved there? They lived in New York and um, she would have had to stop paying by New York law and by, by Hawaii law. She, she has to keep paying. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's they turned, so one of them turned 18 or they both turned 18 or something like that. And in New York, um, child support stops at that age, but it doesn't if so you live in Hawaii. This, this, um, this kind of goes back to when we started the conversation and you said, you know, there, there's two things either like, this is the truth. This is, this is exactly what happened. Um, and everything was very superficial and they, they drove her into the ground kind of without any basis. The other is that there's more to the story. She's not, cu- like especially when it comes to her mental health that she's not comfortable sharing neither is it anybody's business but i'm wondering if the relationship with her kids is reflective of who she is as a mom and who she is as a person and how they've how they've been affected by that or is it just another example of her being alienated over time by people that she really cared about and because of the media and because of her family's like relationship with her during the conservatorship the boys have grown up just to feel like she wasn't good or wasn't worthy um because those are two very different realities i mean either way she's detached from her kids but is it because of who she is and how they've been affected or is it the the family like in, in influencing them i mean it's hard like i do think they have definitely had a more stable life with kevin they just have right whose fault that is i mean it's like, you know, it's, you know, Brittany was obviously a victim in the conservatorship and that's, that creates that lack of stability, you know, but what can you do? Like, does that mean she had, you know, she should have had her kids at that time? Probably not. Right. Like that was probably the safest place for them. And then, you know, she talks about, I was like dying without them. You know, I would do anything for them. I would take a bullet for them, but it really does seem like nowadays she would rather dance naked in her kitchen Mm-hmm. when they're begging her to stop so she wouldn't do mm-hmm. anything for them clearly like i don't know what to say right like interestingly she wouldn't do yeah. anything she wouldn't do anything i will do a- i will do anything except for stop dancing naked on instagram <laughs> yeah i mean That's and everyone point. wants to go like well she's a woman and she can express herself and what da 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 but it's like it's like yeah all that's true but that doesn't mean her kids have to like it and have to not be embarrassed by it. And I don't think it means she has to do that. I, 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 people acting as though that's the only way for her to like 
you know, have her power back. No, it's the way she's chosen. It's something mm-hmm. that makes her feel good, whatever. I don't know how much direct control she has over what makes her feel good, but I know she has direct control over what she posts on Instagram and there's got to be a different way, you know? Yeah. I guess this is why a sit down interview would be good because there'd be follow up questions like, well, you say you would do anything for your family, but what about your kids being uncomfortable about Instagram? This is, this is the, the good thing about the book, for my opinion, is I felt like she was talking to me as a fan. The other side is it was, it skimmed the surface. It didn't go deep really into anything. Like, um, there was a couple points I'm like, oh, like her getting her record deal. Like it was so like, oh, I went to this guy's office. He was so nice and charming. And then I was touring malls across the country. Um, and baby one more time sold 10 million copies. There was no reaction to her about that success at all. It was just like, I, I was in New York and then I became really famous. And then I did a tour. And I, I was surprised that like, for me, celebrity biographies are super interesting because the transition from being a regular person to being a superstar is like, so few people get to experience that. And I'm always wanting to hear what that was like. She doesn't talk about that. She also refers to her um, um, tours as contractual obligations more than once. She said, I had to go back on the world road because of my contract. You compare that to somebody like Lady Gaga, who would probably choose to live and die on stage because she it's in her blood, um, was really interesting because, again, we're being told by Britney explicitly, this is just a job. I didn't want to be famous. I actually don't like being famous. Um, and I think the lack of um, explanation or insight into how the experience of becoming famous affected her and changed her life was really like, I I thought that would be a big part of the book. Like I was not famous and then I became famous. It was, it was, it was not really anything. The recording of the albums, it was like, I was in a studio for a long time and then the songs came out. It was like up until the conservatorship, really, it was like, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And then I guess around the Justin breakup is when you get a little bit more into detail. Meeting Paris Hilton in fucking Las Vegas. That to me is a pretty big story. She talked about how positive of a um, influence Paris has been, which was nice to hear, but there was a lot. I, I also Christina Aguilera, like she mentioned that twice. That feud was such a big thing in pop culture. Was there really nothing at all behind the scenes? Christina never said anything, never did anything. That was surprising. Um, it was all like that part of the journey, her rise. I would have liked to hear more about like what that was like for her. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that sounds to me like the book needed focus. And it just wasn't about those things. It was more about her anger. It's more about her anger and her rage. And if those didn't make a huge impact on any of that, then mm. it, it's, you know, it doesn't really fit in a book with that focus, probably. I also loved when there's, there's a scene when K-Fed comes home from a Hollywood party and he's like, Justin Timberlake was there and Lindsay Lohan was there. And Brittany says something like, I've known those people for so long. I love that. Yeah, longer I loved- than you or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I loved when she said um, that the only thing that happened between her, Paris, and Lindsay was that they got drunk, and um, that's it. And she, she really, it was, it was less than a paragraph. And you know what happened with me, Paris, and Lindsay? We just got drunk, and then my mom yelled at me for being drunk. I was like, "Wow, that was so insignificant in her life." And such a big moment in pop culture, and something that we constantly refer to when we talk about this woman crazy like again and this is like when i say that this whole journey with britney has has like ruined my experience of pop culture because 
what you and also Buffy St. Marie will talk about that later is like the illusion of celebrity and how it is not real. And these things that are so impactful on people like me and literally dictated how I lived my damn life are so insignificant to these people and so fake and so artificial. And if they're not being manufactured to create press, they are mistakes that happen in public. Like the Paris Lindsay Britney thing, they were leaving a party and there was paparazzi. That's it. They all went about their lives. And for us, it was like, you know, the biggest, for me, the biggest moment, one of the biggest moments um, in history. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. What do you feel about the fact that I think it would, I mean, I think you would agree you glamorized that moment in particular and used it as a springboard to kind of a messy drug assisted party boy life for a while. What do you think about the fact that it meant all of that and you, you projected all of that into it and, and it's, it's really nothing. Now, now like that, it's been some time. I, I, I feel a few things. I do feel duped. I do feel like I was duped. I think there's a lot of millennials who felt like the, the illusion of fame and the idea of celebrity and hard partying had value was something that I felt was reinforced in songs and movies over and over and over again. And I, as a personality type, just found the chaos desirable. Um, so in some ways I felt like I, like the way that I made up and the way that I was obsessed with pop culture, it was like, it was an innocent assumption, but like from a grown adult who is 37 years old, I look back and wish I had more media literacy. Like when you and I talk about that to not so, so shamelessly and so, um, passionately connect cocaine and celebrity and think that if I do this drug and if I party hard enough, I will become famous. That was not only a belief, it was how I made all my decisions. So how do I feel knowing that that meant nothing to Brittany? Um, it makes me happy that that isn't my life anymore. It makes me really happy that I didn't become the star I wanted to be. And it makes me very cautious of anything that I see online, on TV, or in magazines. Because when you are somebody who's so wrapped up in pop culture like I have been, and that type of that type of experience is completely false. And the things that I believed in were so backwards and not only backwards from a moral standpoint, but not true from a celebrity standpoint. It just feels like I'm glad that I've moved on. And this book will symbolize the end, like, like symbolically of like, she's told the story now, like the conservatorship is done. She's free. And she's told the story. I need to move on. I live in a mountain in the damn forest. I don't care about fucking Kim Kardashian's nipple bra, even though I think it was a good commercial, but it's ruined pop culture for me, Derek. It is 100%. That's why I won't read Paris Hilton's book. I don't need to be reminded how wrong I was about the partying, specifically the partying. Cause I thought all of these people were partying nonstop. And it was part of the reason why they were so, interesting to the media and that's why they garnered media attention and that's why we all celebrated them was because of the partying and i think that was just a storyline that press made up to sell magazines yeah i'm just sitting here like my seeds have blossomed <laughs> oh girl i mean when when we first started hearing about britney's conservatorship that's when it started for me it was really disappointing and um I mean, even with spirituality too, it's like, you know, you go from being 
um, bright eyed and bushy tailed and I can manifest money and I am God and all of these things that feel so good in the beginning. And the longer you are committed to them, the more you realize it's just an idea. It's something that you're projected onto the world. There is no proof that God exists. There is no proof that spirituality is anything other than a, a story that you tell yourself. And if it makes you feel good, you and I have come to this conclusion and you're not hurting anybody, then that's fine. I mean, the difference between having innocent spirituality that you're using to enrich your life and then committed and molding your life out of from celebrity worship and idol worship is that one, it isn't hurting anybody because it's something that you're having internally. One is that you're putting your life in somebody else's hands. Not that it sounds really dramatic, but if you put too much stock into pop culture, ultimately it's going to miss miss guide you somewhere that isn't good. Either it's because you're putting too much value on trying to emulate a life you are never going to have. You are never going to be a billionaire ever. You're never going to look like celebrities. You're never going to have the lifestyle, the body, the access, and trying to emulate it, I think is is ultimately a detriment to your own wellness. Yeah, well, it it's it's stuff that's sensationalized. And stuff that's sensational is dramatic and potentially violent, right? It's it can be dangerous. That that's what sensationalism is, you know. And so to to model oneself after that is dangerous. It's it's all the things. It's all the things that sensationalized media is. It's all those things, right? It's dangerous. It's potentially violent. It's it's potentially unhealthy, right? You know, and and none of it's true because it's exaggerated, you know? So, Ugh. so you can't really live an exaggerated life. I mean, that's not really what life is. Life isn't that. And so to, yeah. to, to pursue that puts you in, in, in the way of all those things, violence, danger, you know, unhealthy behaviors. Um, Also working with celebrities, not huge celebrities, but people who are famous and make their money off of their name recently in the past couple of years has has sort of reinforced what I just explained that what you see is not the reality. A lot of people are not happy and it's a cutthroat business that has no soul and people will do whatever they can to surpass you. And that Brittany talks about that in the book. You, there has to be a certain ruthlessness if you're going to thrive in in pop culture and in entertainment. And in some ways, all business, if you want to hit that pinnacle, um, you have to lose a bit of your humanity. She couldn't do that. I can, I've tried, even when I was promoting parties, I have too much of a guilty conscience to screw people over and to, to lie and cheat and steal. I can't, I stole a five cent gum once they called the police. I was nine years old. I thought I was going to jail and I haven't stolen anything since. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. Pop culture, I feel like this is the the book is the symbolic. It's the tombstone that I will look back and say, at one point, this was the only thing that mattered. Everything Britney did. Your lies, Peter's dreams. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Yeah. Um, now I'm just living my life. This Rip. would be a really good final episode. I'm just going to say of like <gasps> no, the superficial spirit. No, it's like can't. the full circle moment. You know, Peter, Peter realized the things he's not famous and he's happy. He doesn't care about celebrities and he is like grounded and has a healthy balance with spirituality. Thanks but for pop tuning culture in will always time. be crazy. There will still be more crazy things to discuss. We have more things to discuss in the next episode already. Or do we? Or do we? Or do we? I'm moving to Kentwood. Um, <laughs> Let's just thank Brittany that she didn't say that she loved cocaine because I would die this weekend probably.
Just Adderall, which is hella fun. I can't blame her. I have Adderall in my house. I'm so I, jealous. I, I was trying to get Adderall when they diagnosed me with depression. <laughs> I can I can give it to you, honey. Twenty bucks and it's yours. Ooh, okay. Ooh, and I ooh. Um, anything else you want to share about the book? Any other uh, glaring insights that you that you that we didn't discuss yet? Uh, no, I think I said all my main impressions. The audiobook is like fine. Michelle Williams does fine. Oh, she pronounces everything. She pronounces white and when and Whitney Houston. It's really annoying. <laughs> I saw you that. saying that on Instagram. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird, weird choice. You sound weird. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, weird, weird thing altogether. Um, I really have to go pee. So I'm going to let okay. you go. Thank you for being here with me for 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 having our full cir- circle moment. Um, moral of the story is you should worship pop stars and you should listen to the podcast. <laughs> worship us. Worship us. Thank you. Bye. Oh,